OCN is the largest producer of events for mortgage professionals. We bring the action to you. See when we'll be in your area. Just visit us at www.originatorconnectnetwork.com. That's www.originatorconnectnetwork.com. So for us, it's so important because we understand that there's a large demographic of people that we are enabling to become homeowners where, you know, they, they feel they may not have had that opportunity to do so before. This is Gated Communities, where we talk about everything you're not supposed to talk about in the mortgage industry. Devon Bank has been around since 1945, founded by local merchants to form a community bank. Over seven decades later, Devon Bank remains as an independent community bank with deep roots in their communities. They offer business and personal banking, commercial, real estate and mortgage loans, trust and international services. However, what's most unique about this bank is that they offer faith-based lending, including an Islamic finance program that we want to learn more about in this episode of Gated Communities. In addition, Devon Bank offers student loan programs for the Jewish Federation. They've presented a financial literary class in Assyrian, and the staff on average speaks collectively more than 30 languages. Very impressive, if you ask me. Today, we have on Ali Farouk, Vice President of Islamic Residential Financing, to educate us on Muslim borrowers, what their needs are, and what kind of solutions are out there for them. So, Ali, thank you for joining us today on Gated Communities. Um, To start off, can you kind of explain your job title in a little bit more detail and how you're involved with faith-based financing at Devon Bank? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Um, So I'm a vice president in residential finance for Devon Bank, um, from predominantly focused in Islamic finance, part of our faith-based financing division. And so I've been with the bank since 2000. I want to say 16 now. So it's been a number of years. And, I, and I've been involved with either faith-based finance or faith-based investing dating all the way back to 2006. Uh, first as a financial advisor with Merrill Lynch, then um, representing the largest uh, Islamic mutual fund um, called the Amanda Mutual Funds. And then um, and then now helping you know the communities uh, become home, uh, becoming uh, homeowners by providing faith-based finance. Awesome. And to start off, why don't you educate myself and the audience on Muslim borrowers, why they're so unique, and why can't they get a conventional mortgage? Absolutely. So in, in Islam, you know, interest is pretty much is, is prohibited, right? So uh, as we know, money has no intrinsic value. So the whole concept of Islamic finance is essentially to be a more fair and ethical means of doing uh, of doing trade. So, so to answer your question, yeah, Muslims cannot... Um, pay or receive interest. Um, and, you know, it, it comes from, it stems from kind of going back to inequality and it just not being the most fair distribution, right? So <clears throat> again, the whole concept goes back to, you know, anyone, both parties involved in the transaction need to have some skin in the game, right? There needs to be some some element of some shared risk and not putting one party, exposing one party fully, right? So it just, it just comes down to being... <clears throat> a more uh, fair and equitable way of doing trade. Um, are there other types of borrowers that also kind of abide by that uh, rule set where they can't um, pay or charge interest? Yeah, so in, in interest kind of going back to the old biblical term of usury, right? If you go back to look at the three monotheistic religions, there's always been, you know, kind of um, a, a prohibition against usury. And um, and then in modern day now, even if you look at the the Jewish communities, they... Um, you know, they are not allowed to be 
involved in interest-based transactions when they're dealing uh, within their own community, within the Jewish community. So, and that's kind of how the Islamic finance came to the Vaughan Bank as well. It was because uh, the bank has, you know, always uh, made efforts to uh, finance uh, a lot of the Jewish synagogues in the city of Chicago. And it was the, the Muslim community that that approached the bank and, and said, hey, this is, you know, this, this is awesome. We're looking to, you know, purchase a commercial property. Is it possible that you can help us do the same thing, you know, with, with our faith? And, and the bank was amazing. They, um, you know, the bank's ownership got involved in the in, the, in uh, learning about Islamic finance. Uh, they, they got uh, Islamic scholars involved, a number of attorneys involved, and they, they created a product based on the, the demand of the community. Wow. And I mean, so can, you can't get a loan or a, a traditional loan for anything, really. Is that apply, does that apply to cars, um, student loans? Is this across the board? Yeah, across the board. And it, it's, you know, in, in modern day, it's, it's very difficult to avoid interest in, in the world we live in, right? So um, the average Muslim American tries their best to, to avoid, you know, whether it's buying a car or taking out a student loan um, or purchasing a home, right? They try their best, even with credit cards. The majority of people that, that I know in the community that do use credit cards, they use them, but they pay off the bill immediately, right? They don't allow it to accrue interest, um, you know, to, to, to avoid that. So a lot of them use, you know, they've recognized that, hey, you know, we're in a digital world now. And, um, you know, and then and then it, it is important to establish a footprint in, in, this, uh, in this country and establish, uh, you know, credit history, right? So that, that is important, even in the Islamic faith. And, you know, credit cards definitely are a way of doing that. But again, it's the point is to, you know, to avoid any type of abuse of using the cards and, um, you know, not spending money you don't have. Right. So it's in, in the community, it's always important to kind of pay off your cards uh, before, you know, it accrues any type of interest um, in terms of, you know, auto financing and um, student loans. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. Right. Student loans is, is a difficult one. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do to try to get some you know grants. But, you know, I, I know student loans is a very difficult one. And to be honest with you, Almost on a weekly basis, if not like every other day, I get phone cover, phone calls about you know do you provide student financing do to provide Islamic finance for student loans. Unfortunately, we don't yet, but hopefully one day there will be a solution for that. Um, auto financing. Um, I have a cousin of mine who um, is a general manager at a, a car dealership, and he tells me that he, a number of times he gets you know customers in there in the finance department asking if they can structure a uh, vehicle purchase in an Islamic way. And typically what they tend to do is they'll, you know, they'll ask if they can pay a marked up price for their vehicle and pay it in installments as opposed to, you know, financing and having the contract be an interest-based contract. So it's, it's pretty neat. So there's, you know, there, there definitely is more and more of awareness of Islamic finance. I would say whether you're buying a car or student loans or uh, residential finance, and hopefully there'll be more solutions one day too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like an entirely different way that you have to manage your finances and it that it can be in America can be very limiting with what you want to do. So I imagine that a lot of Muslims who who can't get access to that type of thing or, or aren't aware that they have access to this type of financing, that they avoid buying homes um, because then they assume they would have to pay interest and get stunk, stuck in the kind of the renting trap. Do you how do you feel about that? Do you think that's true? Yeah, that's exactly right, Katie. And it's it that's what makes it so important in what we do is because there is a a large demographic within the community that you know feel that you know they they don't have a means of buying a home, and some people go their entire lifetime with you know that it's, it, being a homeowner is just a dream, right? So they either wait till they have enough 
cash to purchase a home. Um, you know, some are able to do that and others, you know, there is no viable solution for them. So it's just kind of, they go on their entire lifetime and think, okay, maybe, maybe at least their children will become homeowners. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and for those that, you know, learn, you know, find out about Islamic finance that learn about it and understand that it's a viable option. Um, you know, all of a sudden their dream does become a reality. So for us, it's so important because we understand that there's a large demographic of people that we are enabling to become homeowners where, you know, they, they feel they may not have had that opportunity to do so before. Mm-hmm. And how do you typically, you know, market to this community and spread awareness? Do you stick to marketing locally or is this an, a nationwide effort? It is a nationwide effort. Our bank, we're, we're licensed in just over, you know, a little over 30 states in, in the country right now. So we do tend to, you know, on those specific states, try to market within those states. But but it is a national effort, right? So we do a lot of branding and um, you know and uh, sponsorships with different faith based events that we do. Um, so and, and and again, it's a lot of a lot of its grassroots efforts as well too, working with local masjids and and uh, community leaders with the imams, um, you know, even realtors, and just getting the word out there, letting them know that we have a um, a viable product and solution for the community. Absolutely, yeah. Actually, now that you bring that up, you know telling realtors about this, that's definitely work having more referral agents kind of like on your side to say, hey, yeah. if you're shopping for a home, this is this could be the the solution for you. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um and what alternative let's get into the type of um financing that you do offer this demographic. What alternatives are there for Muslim Americans who want home financing in America? What does Devon Bank offer? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are different methods of doing Islamic finance, right? Uh, all of them with this eventually, you know, essentially the same concept of, of it being a, a fair and equitable way of doing um, a, a finance. Um, so the main one is that, that we do, that we offer is called a murabaha. And essentially what a murabaha Islamic finance transaction is, is it's kind of like a credit sale or a, a installment sale or you know, some people call it a cost plus model, which essentially what it is, is that, you know, that, you know, if you're looking to purchase a home from a seller, uh, what happens is Devon Bank comes in and purchases that, that home from the seller on your behalf and then sells the home back to you at a, at a agreed upon fixed price and where you would just pay it in installment payments. So there, therefore, technically, it's not even a loan, right? Because you're, you're not borrowing money to buy the home. You're instead buying the home directly from us at a fixed price marked up price. I see. I see. And um, are there other types of um, methods that are popular among this mm-hmm. community? Yes. Another very popular um, product is called a musharaka. And what a musharaka is, is it's essentially um, the meaning of it is equity partnership. And basically what it is, is it's like a co-ownership or a diminishing partnership, right? So what you would do is you would buy the home with the lender or the bank, and they would be a partner uh, with you in the home, right? So in every month when you're making monthly payments, what you're doing is you're, you're paying down some of the principal and you're also paying off your partner, right? So you're kind of over a period of time, it's a diminishing partnership. So you're, you're slowly taking more ownership in the home as you make your monthly payments. And is this, this partner is an investor or someone that the borrower is co-signing with? So that partner essentially is the bank or the lender, right? So instead of being, yeah, instead of financing it directly with the bank, um, the bank would become uh, an owner with you, essentially. Right. Okay, awesome. And what is the Sharia board? I, I saw it uh, mentioned on your website. And what part does it play and why is it necessary? 
Yeah, Sharia board's important. And essentially what that is, is it's it's basically a neutral party of scholars that, you know, meaning, you know, they, they have neutral meaning that they ha- have no incentive whether to, you know, approve or discredit a product or a service. Uh, but their main objective is to just make sure that the the program that you're offering is compliant, right? So for them, it's really important because they're they're providing this information to the community. So they want to make sure that it's, you know, that they're doing their due diligence to make sure that um, we're following Islamic guidelines uh, with whatever our offerings are. And and the, the uh, importance of having this uh, governing body um, to, to go to is that, you know, there's there's constantly changes in regulations that happen, right? And some of those regulations might affect some of the Islamic compliance of it, aspect of it as well. So it's important for us to be able to go back to uh, the scholars and, and make sure that you know, the policies that we're following are are compliant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this these types of um, uh, methods of financing, they mm-hmm. exist also for non-Muslim borrowers, correct? This is also mm-hmm. um, Jewish borrowers have a different um, uh, method entirely. Can you explain what that is? Absolutely. So yeah, our our program, our faith-based programs are available to anyone, right? Whether it's Islamic finance or uh or the program for the Jewish community, it's they're available to anyone that you know that that uh, finds it a, a viable product for them. Um specifically the the um the product that we provide for the Jewish community, I probably would um because I haven't dealt directly with that program. So I'd probably you know defer you to uh when we have hopefully have another conversation with um with David, our our, our bank's owner. Uh, he can get into the kind of the grassroots, you know, of of that uh, program and and answer your questions on that. But I think I would, I'm not the best person to explain the program. But again, it's it's very similar to the Islamic finance program in a sense where uh, it's it's offered and and done um, in the Jewish community when they're doing transactions within the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So and, yes, all of the synagogues and you know the country yeah. usually they tend to follow that model. Yeah, and we'll definitely follow up on this conversation and get more into the weeds of of how this works. Um, but I also want to bridge in that immigrants and you know any non English speakers typically struggle to get a loan, um, or the process is is much harder for them. I imagine that you also have some some immigrants, some Muslims that have been in America for a while, but also immigrants as well. Um, do you is the same true for a, a lot of the borrowers that you that you see that they kind of how do you help them um, understand the process and guide them through the process of of this new loan method and um, do do you see them struggle from time to time? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's you know, and the struggle for them is really not knowing what their options are, right? Or or um, you know, if you look at the typical typical person, uh, the everyday person, you can go to any bank on the corner of the street and you know. Um, uh, take a, a loan application, run your credit by morning, and then by afternoon you got, you know, you have a dozen loan officers calling you, right, and trying to give you quotes. Um, in the you know the faith based community, it's different, right? It's a very limited, uh, small like universe or fraternity of of companies that are offering this um, this uh, service, right? So for them, it, it is a much smaller um, you know universe for them to go to. So it definitely is a struggle, right? Just not knowing where to go to, who offers it. Uh, is you know does this program even exist, right? So obviously we have our root, our um, our efforts of uh, getting out there, marketing, letting people know of the program that we have, and and also you know explaining why it's a viable program. But for the um, everyday um, you know uh, Muslim person, it's the struggle is just not being able to go to the, any you know community bank on the corner of the street and and and. 
Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.anymortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.anymortgageexpo.com. Get this offering. Mm -hmm. And I want to get your opinion. How would you feel if, you know, bigger, more conventional banks also started to offer faith-based financing? Do you think that's a viable option for some of these people or would it be you think that's too complicated of a process for them to get into? Because I know you said, like you said, it's a small universe and we would all like to see it, you know, help more consumers. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it just comes down to doing it properly. Right. So, um, but definitely, I think there, you know, it is, um, you know, there, there is a demand for it. It's rapidly growing. Um, it is a community that I think is underserved. Um, and I think, you know, if, if more banks, more lenders out there were able to, uh, provide this as an offering, you know, again, as long as they're doing it correctly, um, you know, that's, that's an important thing, right? Cause I think the last thing you want is for every bank in the corner to be offering it and not doing it properly. And then all of a sudden the whole Islamic finance just gets tarnished or is not seen as not maybe looked as, as irrelevant, right? So mm-hmm. as long as it's done correctly, um, absolutely. Then I think there should be more, you know, banks and lenders looking into this program. Mm-hmm. And the staff at Devon Bank is is very impressive. I read online on average the staff speaks collectively more than thirty languages. So that yeah. is insane. Why thirty languages? Is this applicable to borrowers within the Chicago area and in the areas that you work? Um, so go ahead and explain that. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what the exact number is. You might be right. It might be thirty, but you know, and we didn't stop at thirty. It's. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's just, and it just get kind of goes to show you the, you know, the bank's efforts in, um, you know, and in, in, in diversity and just encouragement of, of people of different faiths, and faiths and backgrounds, and um, you know, and uh, um, you know, ethnicities, right? So, um, yeah, if you go, if you ever go into our branch, our main office in Chicago and on uh, Devon, and uh, it's on Western Avenue. Um, it's fascinating. You'll see people come in from all different backgrounds, dressed differently, um, you know, um, in different cultures, uh, you know, banking with the bank, right? Having, whether they're, they're checking accounts or, you know, uh, home finance uh, with the bank. So it's it's beautiful to see. It's, it, it reminds me of like, uh, ever watch the Olympics uh, opening ceremony, we see all the nations come in, <laughs> you know, dressed differently. <laughs> and, yeah, so it's kind of neat. It's It's like, you know, it reminds me of like model UN back in the day in like high school, just seeing these different communities and different, um, you know, what they bring to the table. So it's, it's beautiful. That's awesome. Do you also provide documentation in their native languages? We do. Yeah. Um, so and that's part of like even the loan application, right? It, there's a, a an option there where they can choose a language they, they prefer to, you know, that they speak more regularly. And and we try our best to provide, you know, uh, loan officers that, that speak that language, right? We have um, just on the residential finance side, we have um, someone that speaks uh, uh, Somali. We have Arabic speakers, Hindi, Urdu, um, um, Spanish. Um, probably leaving some out, but there's you know there's a handful. Mm-hmm. Really. And I'm not sure if if, if <clears throat> you're the person to answer this, but when you you said you're licensed in 30 states, so you're in a lot of locations around. Do you how do you do you strategically pick these places based on the diversity within that demographic within that area? That's a great question. Yeah. So it's a combination of, of, of that, right. Just seeing, you know, which, 
which states have larger concentrations of um, of Muslim communities, right? How, how large is the Muslim community within a specific state? So how big is the, the demand? And then also state qualifications, right? As far as you know, what regulations the state may have, which might might make it easier or harder to do. There, there's some states that are brick and mortar, for example, where we would have to actually have a physical presence, mm-hmm. uh, which makes what might make it a little bit harder to do right now until you know until we're, we scale up and have the ability to open up a branch in another state. So it's yeah, it's a combination of what each state requires and how big the the demand in the community is. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before that demand is is really growing. Do you expect to see, you know, your own success in this company mm-hmm. grow as well with that, with volume growing and, and 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 seeing more of this community thrive and become homeowners and build generational wealth? Yeah, absolutely. I, I see, um, you know, especially with, um, you know, millennials and Gen Z, we see a lot more demand in Islamic finance because, you know, the previous generations, you know, when they immigrated here, um, you know, they didn't know of any options, right? There were no Islamic finance options. So they, you know, they may have gone to their community banks. Some never did, right? Some some just sat and uh, rented their entire lives and um, or maybe they saved up enough to, to buy something in cash. Um, others may have, you know, gone to um, to a bank and, and finance their homes. And then and then now they might feel like, hey, look, I've been doing it this way this whole time. I don't, you know, they don't have the time to, to maybe understand Islamic finance or to feel that it's a better option for them. But uh, largely, when you look at the millennials, the Gen Z, a lot of the newer generation, they are they're more in tune with with the uh, with the product. I, I feel like, and it is more important for them. Um, and uh, and and we see it rapidly growing. And in the par- market that we're in right now, with rising interest rates, um, you know, you you kind of see we still have applications coming in. We still have a demand. There's still people buying in our community. So that just shows me that kind of just validates what we're doing, and that even with the slowdown, this community still, you know, needs options to buy a home. So. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to ask that because yours, your methods of financing are kind of immune to what's going on with interest rates. Of course, there's home price that play, that plays into it and low inventory, which affects nearly everyone. But you are a bit more sheltered from interest rates and kind of what's affecting the market right now, right? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say we're immune to it because really at the end of the day, the profit that we add in, right, is still... Mm-hmm. It's still, you know, the index is still going to be based off the ten-year U.S. Treasury and still based off of um, uh, what the market rates are going for. So not entirely. So you know, by going to Islamic finance, you're not you're not necessarily spending more or saving money. It's the, the method that's different, right? So um, we get this a lot when we're explaining the product, and you know, some people that don't understand it, they might say, "Hey, isn't it isn't it basically the same thing?" Right? So it might the ending result might be the same or similar. But the process is totally different, right? It's the path that you take to get there that's different. So in terms of are we immune to the interest rates? Unfortunately, we're not, mm-hmm. um, right? So um, so we are affected by that as well. But uh, like I was saying, we still see people taking applications, still purchasing homes in, in the Muslim community, which just goes to show that, yeah, even with a uh, you know, rising interest rate environment, the demand is still there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And does Devon Bank offer, I see that you do offer some financial literacy classes. Do you offer them to um, Muslim Americans? Do you see a need for greater financial literacy? Absolutely. That's, that's an awesome question. Yeah, we've, we've always have been really big on doing financial literacy programs. Um, uh, You know, we kind of slowed down a bit due to COVID. uh, Mm -hmm. But then even during COVID, we started doing a lot more webinars. Um, And and then now that things have opened up, we're we're doing a lot of in-person 
workshops as well. So that's, you know, by and large, I think that's that's the most important thing for the community is to be out there in front of people, um, to be able to ask questions and to be able to answer questions that, you know, it's, it's hard to do over the phone or, um, you know, over email, right? So a lot of times just having that interaction, um, seeing the community right in front of you, whether it's on Zoom or in person, it makes a big difference. And, and you know, you're able to kind of bounce um, questions off one another and, and explain things in a different way that, that that may resonate with the community. And do you know who comes in for these financial literacy classes? Is it someone who's like, I'm ready to buy a home. Let me take this class. Or I think I want to buy a home. Or is it people who have maybe gotten finance through you and say, I want my kids to take this. Who do you see coming in through the door for these classes? Honestly, it's all of the above, right? You'll you'll have the occasional uh, person that's there to kind of, uh, we call them like the hecklers, right? Occasionally they're like, hey, we're just here to try to disprove whatever you're doing. And then a lot of, you know, hopefully we're able to kind of you know, um, convince them otherwise and, you know, turn them around and be like, oh, wow, okay, hey, this is a, this is an awesome product. Or this is a great service that you guys are doing. And a lot of times they become advocates for us. But, uh, but really, it's all of the above. We'll have, you know, we'll have families in there, we'll have um, existing customers or past customers, we'll have people that have never heard of Islamic finance, some that have heard of it, and maybe misunderstand it or have, you know, a negative connotation about it. But, you know, and that's, that's why it's so important for us to be able to be in front of a group, and and provide correct information, right? So if they don't have the correct information, we're able to kind of, um, you know, explain to them exactly how it works when they may have had a, you know, a preconceived notion of it before. So yeah. it's, for us, it's you know we we love to have families with with their children with the ne- you know the next generation to, to really explain it so that everyone has a better understanding of it. Yeah, and I mean. Do people come in with some sort of suspicion when they hear about it through through marketing or word of mouth or however it is? Do they say, huh, that that method of finance, I never heard that before. And do people kind of come in with that and then you kind of take on the responsibility of explaining it to them? What kind of suspicions do people usually come in with? Yeah, on occasion, because and and I think it's almost human nature, right, to, for example, if one person was to go down the conventional finance path and them to kind of um you know feel better about their own decision to do that they may try to you know kind of um discredit uh, someone else's efforts right so if someone else is saying hey well i want to go and finance my home in a, in a faith-based way and do it islamic finance you know another person might feel a little insecure about that and they might say hey why would you do that you know do what i did it's you know it's basically the same thing and you know you can shop it around and maybe even get a, a lower rate right so for us, it's, you know, we're trying to just, you know, we're, and we're not going to convince everyone, right? Because there's always going to be naysayers out there or that just are really set in their ways. But for us, we just want to provide correct information, right? And let them make decisions at the end of the day and just let them know that, hey, look, this is a viable program. This was created from the demand of our community, right? So it's our mm-hmm. community that created created this from, you know, the, the demand. And, and so it's, so it's, it's a great story to tell them and, and to encourage them that, Hey, look, this is for us. And, you know, we need to, you know, definitely understand it and, and educate ourselves and, and, um, and, and utilize it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I looked up online, everything that Devon Bank offers and all the philanthropy you do, it is such a long list, but I do yeah. want you to kind of go over some some major bullet points of, of what you do for your community um, in addition to providing Islamic financing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, that's always been kind of the bank's mission from, from what I've seen in my, in my time here is that it's always about 
um, serving the underserved, banking the unbanked, um, just going above and beyond, right? And, and even when I told you the uh, the history of how Devon Bank got involved with Islamic finance, it was literally because someone came and asked, hey, can you do this for us, right? And the bank, um, you know, they, they had to go through and understand how it works, right? I, they didn't first take the initiative and say, hey, how much money can we make off of this? It was more of, hey, how can we serve people um, that are asking for this? And, and we, is it a viable um, option for us, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's that kind of just goes back and, and shows some of their their efforts of always trying to go above and beyond what the need is out there. It's it's never driven by uh, you know P and L. It's all you know kind of like okay, what's what's the community asking for? How do we get there? And then sure, then then there's always going to be um, you know an element of you know P and L understanding you know um, you know how do we you know how do we make a profit at the end of the day, right? But mm-hmm. by and large, the bank's efforts, from what I see, have always first been community driven, and then from there, that's and and I think that's that's how they've, they've done well too, right? Because they, I I always feel like you do well by others, and then you know, you know, the benefit will follow you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I read online this. This specific bank, it started off as a very small community bank after World War II. It it was founded in 1945 by a few merchants. And, you know, it grew tremendously. It started off with good intentions. Like you said, the people demanded it. People, hey, yeah. can you do this for me? And now you're licensed in, in 30 states. So that's a tremendous success story. And people might think, oh, that's a small segment of the demographic, but it really isn't. Even a small segment like that is, can see extreme growth potential. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a, it's an awesome story. And it just, you know, just, uh, again, yeah, it validates each employee's efforts and what we do uh, for the community and, um, you know, and, and each, each employee, all the different, uh, backgrounds that we have different languages, languages we speak, you know, we see it as, um, kind of a, uh, an obligation of ours, right. The community mm-hmm. to do our part. So it's, it's a great message from the top down. Awesome. Well, thank you, Farouk, for coming on the show and for educating us and, you know, my listeners about Muslim borrowers. I don't think many people, you know, that either listen to the podcast or in in the industry even know about this or have looked much into it. But I I found it extremely fascinating and that there were solutions already out there for them. So I hope if anyone's listening to this and wasn't aware of it before, they are now and maybe they can they can offer it. They know they can get financing at Devon Bank. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Katie. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. This is Gated Communities, hosted by me, Katie Jensen, for the Mortgage News Network. All episodes are produced by T.G. Kudem Peror and Matthew Mullins. Our head of multimedia is Mike Savino, and our editor-in-chief is Christine Stewart. Make sure you subscribe to Gated Communities so you get future episodes, and be sure to rate and review it so others can find it. The song you heard at the beginning was Wildside by Saint Society. And the song you hear now is Will You Dance With Me by Lala Nia. This podcast is copyrighted by American Business Media. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com.